everybody welcome in the utopia football podcast it is week 13 it is deshaun watson week that is coming up on sunday the browns coming to nrg stadium our first look at deshaun watson in a regular season game in a cleveland uniform is going to come at the stadium where he has played every other home game of his nfl career against the team that he's played every game for in his nfl career up until now the houston texans as i welcome you in sean pendergast one half of pain and pendergast in the mornings on sports radio 610 Alongside the Hall of Famer, my good friend John McClain. He's also our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and also uh, GalleriesSports.com. John, it's funny. I was asked, we'll get to the mailbag, by the way, in just a second here. HOUMailbag at gmail.com if you guys want to take down that address for future mailbags. Um, we were talking to Ross Tucker this morning on our show, and he asked me and Seth, he's like, so what's the buzz like for Deshaun coming there? Because he lives, Ross lives near Philly. And he said, man, if this was Philly, like people would be talking about how much they're going to boo him and what they're going to throw at him and all these other things. And I told Ross, I said, I think the fact that the Texans are so bad right now and that everybody is kind of focused on Lovey Smith has skewed some of the attention away from Deshaun Watson. How do you feel about the vibe coming into this game this weekend? I would have said, Ross, you live in Philly. I live in Houston. We're talking about baseball champions of the that beat the Phillies. So now we're not talking about football. I agree hundred percent. I've had two Cleveland talk shows. Good friend of mine, Tony Grossi picked my brain for 30 minutes today. He said up here, they're talking about protests down there. I said, well, if they do, I haven't heard it. I said, there's no buzz whatsoever about Watson. People are taking the, the Texans have taken the fun out of football for a lot of fans. And they're just kind of ho-hum. As it'll be like it was with Washington and Philadelphia. There'll be as many Browns fans in there as Texans fans, but the Texans fans who are there, they'll boo Watson. But I don't hear anybody getting a a good mad on for Deshaun Watson. I was at lunch yesterday with six friends of mine who are diehard Texans fans, and all we did was talk about the Astros and Jose Abreu, very little talk about the Texans and Watson. And that's the way I feel about it. If they were competitive mm-hmm. and I thought they had a prayer, I might be more interested. But uh, to me, I just look at that as, as another decisive lost and a nail, another nail in the coffin for Lovey Smith. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you mentioned Lovey Smith there, John. And trust me, we've got plenty of Lovey questions in the mailbag. The, the mailbag is almost all Lovey Smith and Bryce Young. The different angles on all of it. Um, this might be one, John. I, I have to imagine that the team inside the building over there, I'm not talking about the players. There's hardly any players left that even suited up with Deshaun. But in the front office, ownership, things like that, I'm sure that they've had this Cleveland game circled for a long, long time since the schedule came out and Deshaun's suspension was finalized. Getting embarrassed by Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns as we're talking about nails in Lovey's coffin, I – I don't think they're going to fire him during the season, but he may seal his fate this weekend. This this is a game of all the games that I think this franchise wants to win from between now and the end of the year. If they could pick one, I think it would be this one. As someone who's known the McNairs well for years, that they're not that kind of people. 
you know, they they're so they're so disappointed right now. They want to win a game. They don't care who it's over. They want to win. Of course, they want to beat the Browns. Of course, they want to beat Deshaun. But they're not obsessed with it as some did, as some could be. It's been so long since all that happened. You know, they look at what they got in the trade and what they're trying to put it toward. Yes, they want to win this game more than any other game on the schedule. But um, as far as it being the final nail, no. I think they get embarrassed. I think Lovey's gone and there's no extra nail that'll go in the coffin but because they're so bad. And there's yeah. such an embarrassment to the organization. And uh, I expect it to be more of the same. If You know, this is going to be like a joint practice for Watson. You know, he can't come out and start throwing it all over the field. They're a running team first. They're going to run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt against the NFL's worst run defense because that's what they do. They'll let Watson throw some from the pocket, let him throw running right and left, let him get back to doing the things that he did well here before they start playing for real. All right, let's get into some of the mailbag questions, John. Um, and we've got Jose Jose Abreu mailbag questions in here, so we will mix Good. in a little, little bit of Astros talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's a lot of Bryce Young, and it's a lot of Lovey Smith, and it's a lot of draft talk. That's that's how this season has gone so far. Um, so let's start with this one. This is from Ben on Twitter. Um, he's this, so it's not to the mailbag. This is a Twitter question that I pulled off to put into the mailbag because I think it's an interesting one. Do you think Bryce Young's agent will try to deter the Texans from drafting him? Absolutely not. Everybody wants to be the first pick to get more money. Uh, that'd be stupid to do something like that. And uh, and they can point, hey, when we had a good quarterback, we won four division titles in five years. We won two playoff games. So, no, that's never going to happen. And it might not be Bryce Young. When the scouting is all said and done, what happened in college – doesn't mean squat. The only thing they look at is what they did in the practices before the senior bowl. What do they do in the all-star game practices, not the games? What do they do at the combine? What do they do at pro days, private workouts, dinners and lunches? All of a sudden, what they did in college, and they never admit this, has very little to do with how a quarterback is rated. Bryce Young could be number one. Uh, could be C.J. Stroud. I saw one the other day from a guy that I respected who scouted forever and has Bryce Young third and Will Levis number two. And you say, well, Will Levis, he had a bad year at Kentucky. Well, he did, but sometimes they don't care. They look at what they're looking for in a quarterback, and they say, hey, we put weapons around him. We give him better coaching. He'll be a better player. And uh, But what we think, and I want Bryce Young, I use him all the time. I put an imaginary, tweeted an imaginary conversation with Casario calling him and then Casario's number was blocked, <laughs> but no agents are not going to do that. The only time that's been done, Archie Manning yeah. did not want Eli playing for AJ Smith, the general manager at uh, the chargers. Yeah. And so he orchestrated getting him out of there. And then John Elway did not want to play for Frank Cush who who was who was the coach at Baltimore had come from Arizona State and had a reputation as the toughest, hardest working coach in the league, and he wanted to go so anywhere else. So no, you don't have that happen. Franchises guys guys love being the first overall pick. They do. Okay, let me ask you this. Let, let's flip that on its head. This is this is not a mailbag question. This is a follow up for me. 
Do you think if Bryce Young were to sign with David Mulligetta, do you think that matters to the Texans? Absolutely not. I'll guarantee you, though, they wouldn't put a no trade clause in that contract. <laughs> well, they can't. There's a rookie deal. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. You're right. They can't, but they wouldn't put one if he's good, and they got to negotiate another one. Okay. Well, yeah, it's becoming the norm. You know, though. when that's they threw that no trade clause in there, yeah, you say, okay, he's my. Guy. Oh yeah, I want a no trade clause. Okay, no problem. We're right. Fine. Right. Thanks, Jack. And um, I wonder, looking back, if they knew there was some issues, or there could be some issues. I always wonder what behind the scenes, what did Mulligan and Watson know at the time they issued the trade demand, which would have been in January? Well, Deshaun knew when he signed that contract in September of 2020 that he had met with at least uh, 40 or 50 massage therapists at that point. He was well into his massage fetish at that point, so... I wonder if he ever thought that would come to the light of day, everything that was happening in I'm there. I'm guessing he didn't since it hadn't. Yep. Um, Follow-up from Pharmacist Glenn uh, in the uh, email bag. <laughs> Any chance if we pick Bryce Young with the number one pick, would he want to bring his college offensive coordinator with him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he and, I'm told he and Bill O'Brien get along really well. Watch I'm sure. Love Bill, love Bill O'Brien. Spoke out for him when we'd asked Bill if he thought he was – going to be fired and and Watson would tweet immediately and about OB and how much he liked him but uh I don't think that's going to happen Glenn I don't either but uh, but John I have a, another follow up and again this is a this is one I pulled from our text page on the show today cuz there were some good things about this Bryce Young stuff um a texter pointed out that that Bryce Young plays for O'Brien now what do you think O'Brien is telling him about the Texans organization uh, I think that he would tell them when he was when and Cal McNair took over for the dad when the last year before Bob died, Cal was ahead of everything. They went eleven and five. They lost to the um, they lost to the Colts in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Next year they won the division. They beat Buffalo. And is he going to say, well, it all started going downhill when they named me general manager? You know, I think I think Bill's most likely things he would say negative about would be the Houston media. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that rough and tumble Houston. <laughs> the Houston he used to get so mad at the it, media. Here. Yeah. And it wasn't because of what was written. It was what he didn't like questions about clock management. He didn't talk to me for about half of a season when I asked him about why he didn't call a timeout at the end of the game at New England when Brady threw the winning touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks, he should have called a timeout. He got so mad. Coaches hate it when you question clock management, which is one reason Todd Bowles is getting ripped because he was terrible clock management for the Bucks, mm -hmm. and then Jeff Saturday was atrocious. Yeah. Um, I, if I had to guess, John, I would think if if Bryce Young were to go to Bill O'Brien and say, what do you think of the Texans organization? I, I think two things positively. Um, one is I don't think Bill can say that the Texans treated him unfairly for one. No, he you know, wouldn't like, say that. And I'm not saying he would, but I'm but I'm I'm saying I think he would say they treat, you know, like I I failed. <laughs> you know, I, I, I became the GM. I was not a good GM. I don't know if he would say that, but I think he would just probably from 30,000 feet say I was treated fairly by them. I got fired by them, but I was treated fairly by them. I think number two is that 
The Texans right now, if you're saying who are the Texans, if you have to pick a person, the person, especially in the view of Bryce Young, is probably Nick Casario, who, from what I hear, Bill O'Brien and Nick Casario still have a good relationship. So I, they're I, they're very close. Yeah, I would guess that, and I know the spirit of that text is that people want to think that Bill O'Brien is going to trash the Texans if Bryce Young talks to him. I would say one, he probably wouldn't. Two, it doesn't matter. It's a draft. <laughs> the Texans can. It's not like a te- Bill O'Brien says bad things and then the Texans can't take him. <laughs> They're still going to take him if they like him, right? Because he likes Bryce Young and respects him and thinks he's a great prospect, I think he would say all the right things. And O'Brien knows he wasn't treated unfairly. Mm -hmm. He knows that uh, the McNairs gave him everything he wanted. And then he started, what, 0 for 4, 0 4? Or was it 05? I can't remember. Oh, oh, it was 0 and 4 in 2020. Is that what you're talking about? He also knows Jack Easterby backstabbed him to help get rid of him. Yeah. uh, so I think that he would tell him good things about Casario and putting players around him. Yes, it would be a much more interesting conversation between O'Brien and Bryce Young if Jack Easterby were still in the building, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be more fun. Uh, all right, let's get to the next one. Jerry in Garden Oaks says, whose idea was it to handle the quarterback replacement the way that Lovey did last week? And I'm, I'm assuming what he's referring to, John, is the – playing coy on Wednesday, the strategic advantage, and then the news leaks anyways five minutes later, and the whole thing looks like a big clown show. He's, he wants to know whose idea was it to handle the quarterback situation that way? It's always Lovey Smith. Lovey has total control over the news conferences. Casario, he's doing personnel with his personnel people. James Lipford, he doesn't talk to Lovey about what are you going to say, what are you not going to say. That's not, not the way they – do it. As soon as Lovey started talking, I tweeted, Kyle Allen will start against Miami. Mm-hmm. Then Mike Garofolo tweets it three three hours, three minutes later, and it goes all over the country. Were you and guessing, I, John, just based no, on? No, I the... wasn't guessing. I don't guess when I say something yeah. definitive. Yeah. I didn't say could. I didn't say anything. I'd been saying that. And then as soon as he started talking, I said, Kyle Allen will start yeah. in Miami because I knew he was. I was just waiting to see how Lovey was going to handle it. So. Yep. The way that was botched, that was all Lovey. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think Lovey learned anything from that, John? Or do you think uh, we're going to continue to get kind of the – I mean, Lovey, Lovey has not graded out well on press conferences the last few weeks. No, it's he has a- not. And I checked with a friend in Chicago when he was the coach there to yeah. see if – and they said he was that way with them. Okay. He would, he would get snippy and condescending when he didn't like the questions. And I think this – and I would tell him – if, if uh, in fact, I may write this, don't give the McNairs more ammunition yeah. to fire you except for your record and the way the team's playing. Don't do it because you're in a constant war with the media. Floyd Reese, longtime general manager of the Oilers and Titans, told me one time, I had to learn the hard way. You can't win a war with the media because they buy their ink by the barrel. I said, well, that's close. That's newspapers. But uh, he said, you just can't win that war. And every coach that's been fired here, Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, Bill O'Brien, they've when they were fired, and David Culley, the media was blasting them constantly on talk shows and the Chronicle uh, saying they needed to be gone. Now, I don't think anything's going to change with Lovey. I don't think anybody's going to change their mind that they think he should be fired. And uh, But 
you don't want to give the McNairs because they should only do what they and Nick Casario think is right. If they think Lovey deserves a second season because they know things that we don't, then keep him. You don't do anything because of what the fans and the media say. You got to do what you believe. And and I think that uh, the ultimate decider will be Casario, and then the McNairs will sign off on him, whatever now, he wants to do. What do you make of Cal McNair supposedly being in the interview room when Lovey did his press conference on Sunday. I say supposedly he was. There's people that were in that interview room said he he was in there. What do you make of Cal being in attendance at Lovey's press conference after the loss to the Dolphins? He has his son with him because his son wanted to see what it was like to go into a post-game press conference. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> what did he, I'd love to know what his son thought. <laughs> yeah, he probably thought the same thing everybody else did. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, all right, John. Hey, our friend Rick Tyndall sent an email in, John. Good. Said for, member of the card carrying member of the posse, right? Yes, he is. Yep. Um, first time emailer, longtime listener, and lifetime posse member, he says. Um, assuming the Texans clean house, is it time to consider D'Amico Ryans as a head coach? Would he be a fit with Casario's vision? I'll hang up and listen, is what Rick says. I don't think that D'Amico, after being a coordinator for two years, would insist on having total control of personnel, although Kyle Shanahan does. But Kyle had a lot of pelts on the wall as a coordinator, quarterback yeah. coach, that D'Amico doesn't have. If they offered D'Amico a five-year contract and a lot of money and a lot of draft choices and a new quarterback but made him understand because Serio has – final say then nick would work with him and uh, i know D'Amico loved it in houston people say well because he sued the texans would they not be interested in him no that's not the mcnairs are not vindictive and uh i think if they thought he was the best candidate they'd do it and then the key would be for him to get a really good offensive coordinator who's proven and then somebody who is a proven play caller or someone like Mike McDaniel was on that staff and he'd been with Kyle Shanahan here and almost everywhere Kyle had been, he, they're like finish each other's sentences, mm -hmm. somebody like that. But it has to be, you know, Pep Hamilton is just, I think, doing a terrible job with this offense, with a play call and it just quarterbacks. It's just terrible. And so they would have to spend a lot of money to get a really good guy to work on that side of the ball for D'Amico. Do you think Pep makes it out of this year? Do you think he gets fired before the end of the season? No, I don't think he'd get fired. I think if they were going to do something, this is what I've been writing and saying for two weeks, give the play call to somebody like Ben McDaniels, anybody else, because it can't be any worse. Turn the game off with a handoff to Dario Goombawale for one yard and then trying to throw a pass to Laramie Tunsil. And we never know if he caught it because it was a bad pass, but mm -hmm. just the call itself, you don't need to do that. And then uh, um, I just, I think that uh, he wouldn't be fired because he's, he's because he, his buddy Ted White's coaching the quarterbacks with him. So I think in love, he says he's not going to do it. He's adamant. And so that could help take him down. Uh, all right. Next one, Justin Van Sant emails in and says how the roster sits today. Do you feel better where the Texans are as a roster compared to this point last year? So not their record, John. They're obviously, I think they're going to finish with a worse record than last year, but do you feel better about where the Texans are roster wise than you did this time last year? 
Absolutely. They didn't have first or second round picks. They didn't have money spent on free agents. They still haven't, but I, I believe in Stingley and Petrie and Nico Collins and a lot of those guys, you know, none of those guys other than Nico's play as well as he did last year. No, you know, Garrett Wallow, I thought he's going to do better. He's a healthy scratch. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the reason is for that. Christian Harris is hurt again. He was hurt early. But, uh, yeah, I feel better about him. I think Kenyon Green has flashed enough to make me think when he's on a weight program throughout the offseason and has a full offseason with the Texans and a coaching staff, he's going to be good. But right now, when they've gone up against two defensive lines loaded with number one, the last two games, and then Raekwon Davis, a second-round pick on the nose for Miami, and they've just been abused in the running game. And uh, and the Lions showed so much promise before, but right now, yes, I feel better about it knowing uh, that they got all those picks coming, including the two ones that would be one in ten right now if the draft were today. I feel much better about it. I feel better about the roster, but it's in a way where I feel like I feel better about my garden having just planted some seeds. I like I haven't seen any of the the, the fruit or the vegetables come up yet from what I've planted. I'm like, okay, well, last year I didn't have any seeds. I just had a big patch of dirt. At least now I've got some seeds this year. Now we'll see if they get water and they get sun and they grow up. Like I feel better that players exist that I want to have hope about. I just can't especially with Damian Pierce now rushing for eight yards in each of the last two games, John, I can't think of a single rookie who's moving forward right now. You know what I mean? Like who's, who's in the last, you know, whose trajectory is, is pointed up right now. I I think great about Pierce. Petrie hadn't missed a tackle. He had an interception take taken away because of a penalty and Stingley Stingley's not giving up touchdown. I keep reading it and tweeting that thing all the time that the rookie watch a website puts out about him and they keep putting up all these positive things about Stingley and sauce Gardner and, uh, uh, woolen at, uh, Seattle. And so I feel good about Stingley and, um, let's say I felt good about Christian Harris till he got hurt again. And I saw enough of Kenyon green against lesser defensive linemen as a power blocker for the run. And then Pierce, his problem's not Pierce. He has minus six yards before he's been hit in the last two games. It's all the offensive line. Can't block anymore for some reason. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm oversimplifying the Pierce part of it. Obviously, I think he's a delightful player, but it's just, it's it sucks to watch. <laughs> it sucks to watch him rush for eight yards in two games. No kidding. In think about how it sucks for him. No, I know, I know. Um, all right, uh, John, just mixing in one outside of the Texans here, Dave in Buffalo. He likes the podcast. He's a loyal listener. He wants to get your take on whether or not the uh, Bills are still a favorite to get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl with a banged up Josh Allen, Von Miller being out and Sean McDermott showing his showing his ass a little bit on some game management stuff. It's amazing, isn't it? How many coaches have problems with game management, clock management? Like you would think Jeff Saturday had somebody up in the booth saying, Jeff, call timeout right now, right now, call timeout. And I used to hear O'Brien did, but he didn't listen to him. He was going to do what he was going to do. I would hire a former official or I would hire somebody uh, to be in my ear to tell me not just clock management, but you know, when to take a timeout, you know, somebody that had a lot of experience, a head coach that never had issues like that. And, uh, but, uh, 
uh, I think this Kansas City's best team in the AFC. I'd love to see him play again. Josh Allen's playing hurt. I thought two games ago they had great running. They had about 173 yards, and Allen had maybe eight or ten. Thought they'd turn the corner with James Cook. But they're still good. They're dangerous. Got talent on both sides of the ball. I'd still love to see them play Kansas City. Now, I think if Miami were to get home field advantage and everybody played down in the great weather, Miami be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But right now, to me, I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, all right, Matthew Cavazos, John, says, you have the keys to the franchise, and you've just cleaned up a huge mess from the previous regime, so you have all the cap money and all the picks. What do you pick with the number one pick in 2023 to rebuild the franchise, offense or defense? I think I know your answer to this, so I have an actual follow-up, but go ahead. You got to take a quarterback if yeah. you believe there's a quarterback worth taking. You can fill in those other positions. You still got like 11 more picks. You got 10 picks the year after. You got money in free agency. You have to get the quarterback. And people say, well, a lot of those top quarterbacks bomb out. Yeah, but a lot of them don't. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, John Elway. There's been great quarterbacks taken first overall. That's the position you have to get. You have to find somebody who can do for this franchise what Deshaun Watson did. Real quick, as a follow-up to that, forget about the picks in the draft for a second because Nick is going to have a ton of money to spend in free agency. Is there a particular position or position group you would spend money on veterans for on this team? Defensive line. Okay. Defensive line. They got to get people who can stop the run. You can fix that quick. A tackle to play next to Malik Collins. Yep. Jonathan Grenard's been hurt too much second year in a row. They need another pass rusher. And also a guy that might be cheaper. They got to get a center because yeah. they thought it was going to be Justin Brett. And then it's Quisenberry filling in. They need a legitimate center who can kick butt in the run blocking like Tyler Linderbaum has done as a rookie. And uh, you can get free agent tight ends, although Jordan Aikens – been pretty damn good yeah. and uh but i would think the lines would be what you need the most and safeties are always available people don't pay big bucks for them as much so if you wanted one to replace jonathan owens you could get that guy in free agency too all right a couple more john matthew kaseki says it feels like one of the themes of the texans in recent years is holdovers being kept through new regimes rick smith stayed after kubiak bill o'brien stayed after rick smith Jack Easterby and Tim Kelly stayed after O'Brien. Bubby Smith and Pep Hamilton stayed after David Cully, LOL, he says. Uh, do you think it's possible that part of the problem is Cal McNair's relationships with certain people he, and sticks newly hired people with the people he likes instead of letting the new people build the staff independent of Cal's personal favorites? Cal McNair is not involved in that stuff. He signs off on stuff. He goes by what his general manager wants to do because that's what he's paying him for. And he doesn't go to dinner with his coaches and doesn't hang out in their offices with the coaches. He's got other things to do. Charles in Pasadena, last one, John. The uh, Jose Abreu signing, what what do you think of it? And what move do you want next? You can only pick one. You get one more big move as general manager Jim Crane. What would that move be? I like it. Last year, Yuli was terrible at the plate, an easy out. They had too many easy outs. Abreu had 300. He had the fewest home runs, but on every analytic I saw, he was really good at it. I saw one where he kills the Yankees. It gave his, his average homers, RBIs, OPS, 
everything. And uh, uh, Crane talked today about he threw out outfielder. Well, that would be a center fielder. Mm-hmm. They still they still need another catcher. That's important. But if they don't put a lot of emphasis on it, like they did with Christian Vasquez, I think that if if uh, you could, I, they're going to re-sign Yuli, I think, for a one-year deal. Yeah. Unless somebody's crazy enough to pay him at thirty-nine, a two-year deal. But I still, you you need a designated hitter because Alvarez. They're talking about him playing left field, and if you had another outfielder, would it be Michael Brantley? He could DH. Uh, it's going to be a while before they know, but I would like to have, if it was one position, assuming they're going to still have Maldonado as their starting catcher, I want a center fielder who can cover a lot of ground mm-hmm. or Alvarez in left field and somebody can hit 275, drive in some runs and hit some home runs. No, no offense to uh, Chaz McCormick, but you know, you, I want him to get a center fielder. Yeah. I, uh, well, emotionally, I'd like them to bring back Verlander. It sounds like, John, you're assuming Verlander's gone. I'm so Verlander's gone. Yeah, I, I come, I'm kind of with you on that one. And I'm kind of okay with it if it means that they're spending the $40 million he would have cost on things like Jose Abreu and fill-in name of outfielder here. The one that intrigues me, because you mentioned catcher, is, is Wilson Contreras. The fact that Jordan Alvarez has revealed himself to be a decent left fielder really unlocks a lot of possibilities in free agency for this team because now you've got DH where you can park guys and and play them on days where they're, you know, that you can, you can go sign Contreras and he can be your, I won't say full-time, but like most of the time DH and then back up Martin Maldonado on, on off days. You know what I mean? Like in Jordan doesn't need to be a DH 120 games out of the year and just spell whoever in left field for 20 or 30 games. They're comfortable putting Jordan out there. He was a better hitter this year when he played defense in games than when he was just the DH. I think Contreras is a really interesting one because he's a really good hitter, John. And now all of a sudden you're talking about, you're talking about, uh, I mean, you're talking about a lineup because you, if you let him DH, you're talking about a lineup where it's Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker. I slide Abreu in at six, and then I guess Contreras at seven. Man. That is a, that, I mean, I, and then, you know, keep Chaz in center field and let him bat eighth and then Maldonado bat ninth. I mean, that is a really, really solid lineup. But the only problems, Contreras wants to catch and the Cardinals are interested in him. And there's another team that really needs a catcher that's good, that's interested in him. But you make a great point. That would be ideal. And then when Maldi's going to be 37 years old, you know, I've never seen a guy catch as much as he does at his age. So you think, okay, maybe this is his last season as the main catcher. Then you'd have Contreras to do both uh, in 2024. I think that'd be great if they could pull that off. Oh, it'd be awesome. If you're Contreras, why do you want to catch so badly? It looks painful to crouch down all the time. It sure does, doesn't it? Get up and rake, man. Let him let him pay you $15, 20000000 million a year just to go rake, dude. Come on. All right. You notice Crane said he's not afraid of the luxury tax. Yeah, I saw and that. I think that's great. The problem is – you put that out there, you get everybody fired up about it. And then if you don't do it, people get really disappointed. Although I don't, people are not going to get very disappointed with the Astros. Abreu, Abreu was a terrific move. He's three years younger than Yuli. And uh, 
And the fact that he kills the Yankees, that's good enough for me. Absolutely. And and uh, and Jim Crane being the owner of a team that's won two World Series in the last six years, that also good enough for me. So Crane Crane still has immunity with me over criticizing him for much of anything lately. You notice that he says he may not hire the GM till spring training. That means you're hiring a GM. It had nothing to do with any personnel decision in the offseason, which tells me it's just going to be somebody who's going to be basically – Another personnel guy yep. with Crane running the show. I'm here for it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> cool. John, if this means he's just spending like a drunken sailor, let's go. <laughs> Who cares? See how it goes. Nobody's got any complaints what Jim Crane's done as the de facto GM. I like that he's relying on Bagwell. Yeah. Bagwell said there's no way he's going to be the GM, but he likes the role he's in right now. And he's got three assistant GMs as it is. Yep. And everything they've done so far, everybody's approved of. Can you imagine what it would be like if they actually re-signed Verlander? I don't oh. think they will. He said they haven't talked lately. Verlander's meeting with Dodgers now. I just want Verlander out of the American League when he signs with another team. I don't I hate to see the Dodgers or the Yankees let him go to the Mets and replace the Grob. Oh, yeah, I don't know, John. It's got, I, I, see, I'm kind of the opposite of you on that. Like, I wanted Correa to sign with Texas so we would see him 19 times a year. Like, I kind of like when these guys – like, I like that Cole signed with the Yankees because you get a couple games a year that are kind of fun, you know? it's I, I don't mind it. It's uh, – and who knows? He goes there, and if he stinks, it, then we get to see him stink up close, Verlander. <laughs> That'd be fun. You know what's right. funny to me about Verlander? All these people say, I was watching a Dodger guy last night on MLB Network saying, well, one when you're an extra year removed from Tommy John, so next season he's going to be better. And I want to say, but he had the Tommy John surgery two years ago. This yeah. was his second year after. People say, oh, he missed a season with Tommy John. No, he missed two seasons. Basically two. For one yeah. start. I mean, yeah. that's 99% of the two seasons. So another way to look at Verlander, and I hope Crane does this, he had nowhere to wear and tear on his armor, his body for two years. So I I don't think he's coming back, but man, can you imagine if he did? Oh my God. If they made one more big signing in the everyday lineup and they brought Verlander back, John, holy smokes. Would you yeah. rather have Verlander or a big time? Would you rather have Verlander or Contreras? Uh, Contreras, I think it's just the, 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 prudent, the emotional part of me wants Verlander back. Cause I love Justin Verlander, but the, the practical thing is okay. If Lance is healthy again, which he seemed to be Fromber is Fromber, Javier's Javier and Urquidy and Garcia and Hunter Brown. I mean, it's really hard to, it's really, and you, and it's probably, it's probably less money. It's I'm sure it's less money for Contreras than it is for Verlander. So you'd have a little dry powder to go make another move during the season sometime. The practical thing to do, if this were a video game, I'd say Contreras all day, but it's not. There's emotion involved, and it's really hard to, you know, if I get to pick one, you're telling me I can pick Justin Verlander, I'm actually going to pick this other guy, but the other guy makes a lot of sense um, just for, for what – it's hard to say ailed this team. They won the damn World Series, but they the bats went quiet a lot of times this year. For a team that's so good, they had some ebbs and flows with their with their offense this year. Absolutely, they did. All right, John, what do you got going on on all your various platforms, my friend? SportsRadio610.com. I'll have posted in the morning observations about the Texans 
and uh, Sean Watson and Lovey Smith. And then I'm going to write a Watson column on Wednesday for uh, gallerysports.com. Thank you very much, Sean. John, thank you. We thank Figgy Fig for getting this podcast out to all of you. We remind you, mailbag at gmail.com is where you can go to uh, send us your uh, questions for the mailbag episode. We do it each and every week. And tomorrow we'll be back with a preview of this Sunday, a game that a lot of Texan fans have had circled on the calendar. Deshaun Watson making his debut as a Cleveland Brown at NRG Stadium. John and I will preview that one. We'll do a little for real or fugazi to take a look around the NFL in week 13 as well. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all tomorrow for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.